0: What is theology and why does it matter?
1: What room do we leave for the spirit in our academic settings?
0: All ideas have consequences and lack thereof as well.
1: We should burn the seminaries down.
0: Do we just need to have people be confident in saying, this I know because the Bible tells me so, or is is there something beyond that that people need to take ownership of and be responsible for? Like we're either gonna do this or
1: we're gonna die. (laughs)
0: What up? What up? What's good? Hello. How are you? Welcome to sunny California. It's like ninety nine out here. Yeah. At the moment, it's
1: really warm. Yeah, it is super hot.
0: How are you? How are you hanging in there? Good man. Just beating the heat by staying cool. Do you have AC at your church? I do. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, We're not allowed to run it, but I've got it. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one summer. Uh, I think for construction or something like that, there was no AC yeah. throughout the summer. Yeah, it's so hellacious. Giant fans during the services. It was crazy. Yeah, it sounds awful. Which reminds me of uh, church services and interactions and our topic for today.
1: Okay, good. So, good segue, Mr. King of Segways. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so welcome, everybody. My name's Hansel. This is Josh, my co-host. And uh, today on Kingdom Thinking, we're going to talk about the role of theology for the church. And the question that we're specifically looking at is Does it have enough value in the practical life of the church for it to be um, a desirable goal or end sure. to pursue? Sure. So, um, Josh, do you remember the first time that you had candy or any sugary treat or something like that? I mean, yeah. What was that experience like? Overwhelming. Okay. There. <laughs> so, In the most positive of ways. Okay, okay, good. That was my experience with one of my first classes in seminary. Oh, okay. So, when I was 19 years
1: old. Dude, good segue again,
0: it's two. I kind of accidentally became the intern slash youth pastor at my church when mm-hmm. I was 19. I just think about this for a second, 19 years old. I'm not even like my own man yet, right? And now I kind of have all these responsibilities. And part of that was uh, me going to get like formal education. Mm-hmm. And so, I was fortunate enough to have access to that um, First, it was my bachelor's degree in biblical studies, and then I got to go to seminary. Now, for our everyday viewers, Josh, what is seminary? That's not a, that's not a word we use every day.
1: I mean, it's a school to go learn Bible stuff more in-depth.
0: Okay, good. So, it's, it's a, a specifically allocated school for uh, biblical studies or theology, right? Um, so, I got to go there, and the content and the material that I was receiving about the Bible was almost like a toddler having candy for the first time it mm-hmm. was in ecstasy it was overwhelming in the most positive Nerd. ways. um it's hard to explain just being wired i guess intellectually and and how for me in, in particular it it, it it just worked it was stimulating mm-hmm. and i could see how that wouldn't be the case for everybody right yep. where if you don't like reading or you just don't like sitting in a classroom for hours at a time it you wouldn't have that experience like i get that but One of the things that struck me most was how different seminary is than church. Right. So sitting in a classroom for hours at a time, surrounded by people whose sole purpose is to talk about some dead person from 300 years ago and their work and how it influences how we read the Bible and then splitting hairs about how we read the Bible because we can. Yep. Right? Like to do that on purpose for months and months and months and years, that's very different than what we do at church. Yeah. Much And so I want to come into this with with a kind of a genuine disposition, Um, even though I'm cards on the table, right? I'm going to say, yes, we need this desperately more than ever. But I still want to be as genuine as possible in my question. Mm -hmm. How much value does theology, like this task that I just described, actually have for everyday churchgoers? So let me get some gut reactions from you before we jump in.
1: Yeah, I mean, to that level of like hair splitting that you're referencing, are you asking like, is that in the scope of your question?
0: No, I'm asking just in, in general. The general topic um, of theology. I'm asking the task of the organized study of the intellectual tasks of Christianity and the Bible, past, present, and, you know, as we're going towards the future. Is that worth our time and effort as Christians in, for everyday churchgoers? Yeah. Should
1: pastors be interested in that for their people? Everyone, uh, my favorite professor, my favorite philosophy professor of all time, Dr. William Curtis-Holton, uh, everyone is a theologian, mm. just a matter of whether you're good or bad at it, right? And so the idea here is, like, there's no way to interact with scripture, with the church, with any ecclesial community yeah. of any way or of any form without doing theology in some way, shape, or understanding. There, And so knowing that kind of moves us beyond just the pale of uh, can we or should we even do this? Mm. It's like... How much yeah, to what level?
0: Okay. Good. And maybe that's a better question. Because I agree. And I I actually is that an R. C. Sproul book? I think it is. Yeah, it is. Everyone is a theologian. Oh, nice. All right. It's cool. a book by R. C. Sproul, where he makes that exact case. Yeah. yeah. He's saying if if you're gonna have a conversation about God, mm-hmm. it's not about whether you're going to do philosophy of some sort. It's are you gonna be good at it yeah. or is it gonna be sloppy? Precisely. Um so fair. Let's let's Okay, that's our first building block. Our second building block is gonna be, okay, so how much? Yeah. Do we just need to have people be confident in saying, this I know because the Bible tells me so, or is how is there something beyond that that people need to take ownership of and be responsible for? If so, how much? Given that we're talking about people who have families who have 40 hour a week or more, mm-hmm. responsibilities with jobs, like what is realistic and reasonable for people to take on on their own or in the limited time they get in churches. That's what I want to jump into. Good. Uh, so as we start, I want to dive in a little bit more. What What, what is theology yep. and why does it matter? So theology is just a fancy Greek word that we transliterate into English um, that means the formal or organized study of God. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's related matters to the question of religion and its application. So from the start, we're gonna concede, I'm going to concede that the study of theology uh, has a level of abstractness. There's, there's a level to which we're asking people to think about things that are one or more steps removed from the direct everyday applications, seemingly at first. Right. Okay, so we concede that. Um, studying theology, this is an illustration I hope helps. For me, it's like dumping uh, a puzzle of 1,000 pieces on the table, and you take the hours and hours of labor to organize the pieces to make them recognizable so that the next person who's coming behind you can admire and recognize what the puzzle is supposed to look like right. once it's connected. So yes, there's a level of abstractness. There's a level of like why, right? If you think about like building puzzles, why? Yeah, great right? question. Uh, but on the, on the <laughs> other hand, um, if you think about the completed uh, or the the teleology, the end goal sure. of puzzle. It's like, oh, no, no, no. The, that admiration, that moment of awe when you can recognize the intention of what the puzzle is supposed to look like, that's worth it, Yeah. right? So this yeah. is an illustration I'm going to go with. Yeah, good. Um, now, I'm, I think a second thing that's really important is that there's a, a cultural gap, a big one. Yeah, A certainly. cultural challenge in in theology today. And so in ancient or medieval and Renaissance times, uh there seemed to be a lot more localized energy or yeah. designation on groups to be the thinking centers uh on behalf of the people in in a way uh, i don't know if if i would rephrase that if i could but with things like monasteries yeah right um, right right or with things like even the global church in the medieval times and the pre-critical times they were specifically designed you're going to do the thinking and it's going to get processed and uh fed to the people mm-hmm. in a way where they can own it yeah and live it out exactly right, right. um we don't really have that post renaissance where it's the church isn't the only authority and in some ways it's not even a major authority in society right things like science mm-hmm. um or things YouTube. like exactly <laughs> right i was going to say different social or cultural yep. markers and benchmarks those are more authorities yeah for sure um and kind of humanism and the rise of no 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 challenge authority you do the thinking for yourself don't just take something at face value these are things that make something like theology a challenge because theology by nature is done in groups and is done with an assumed uh, authority right. in place right so we grant that however Moving past that, uh, I think the last year and a half, or maybe even the last four years, to be honest, I'm just gonna say the last presidential cycle has made it most obvious to me how prepared churches are or not Yeah, to do sure. theology. Yep, yep. And, and here's what I mean by that. Um, the way that Christians respond to different social matters or political matters Reveals something about their framework of thinking, with regards to the Bible and how it gets applied. Yeah, of course. And that, is a theological issue. Yeah, huge. And so, things like immigration, abortion, LGBTQ, um, Republican or Democrat, yep. all these issues that have been at the front and center of all our news cycles, I'm going to say those are theological issues. Yeah, for sure. As Always. well as being social and, yeah. and moral issues. And so. This kind of leads to that point that you were saying, and I want you to talk to me a little bit more about that. Um, every, everyone's a theologian, and that influence that your professor had on you. Tell me a little bit more about that for our viewers. What do we mean when we say everyone's a theologian?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge point to recognize there. That uh, so a good example, you know, this working out is this is the following. I saw on Instagram a post from a kind of a bigger, you know, Christian person uh, who was talking about some House representative of House Bill 666 and how it was something about something or other, right? And his tweet was just that, you know, sometimes they just make it so clearly obvious about how evil this bill is and why you should call your senator to oppose it, right? And the reference there was the 666 number there. And that explains a very specific type of theological understanding of, in this case, the book of Revelation and how the mark of the beast and all that stuff comes into play, right? And so that's an example of somebody in 140 characters or 160 characters or less being a theologian, mm. right? And, and so it plays out most of the time for us as people who are not like professional theologians. It plays out in very subtle and more like subconscious ways in the way that we just kind of live out our day to day life okay. and how we interact with each other and how, you know, what we believe and where we're going. And so the idea here for us is that. All people, right, who are religious or non-religious have to build their case by borrowing the tools of philosophy and theology that try to make a case for how we're going to relate to each other and to God or a lack thereof, right, in Mm -hmm. this world. And it's something that we are all engaged in Mm -hmm. at one level or another. Even, uh, you know, I have a good friend who I love dearly who just, he sat me down last week and was like, hey, not a Christian anymore. I've deconverted. I just wanted you to know I love you. Still, thanks for being my friend and making me feel like I can tell you. Right. And that is still a very specific theological choice. And so when I was kind Mm. of talking with him a little bit and saying like, so what, you know, what is the, where are you at now? What's the vacuum filler Mm. for you? Right. And it was just a, I don't really care. Right. Mm. And so even that, even the, I don't care. Yeah. Apathy is a theological lens and response of some sort by which you can interact with the world. Yeah.
0: That's fascinating. Um, I, and I think that in, in large parts,
1: we don't recognize that right
0: as a society.
1: No, no, because there's no need to in the same way, right? Because we all have access to information now in a way that we didn't when people had to sit and make this their life in a monastery, right?
0: Yeah. I also think that um, just culturally things like I don't have to care yeah. are more of a value. Yeah, and for so sure, for sure. You can have a disposition of, I don't know, and I'm not going to go through the trouble of figuring it out. Yep. And that's okay. Yeah. Not necessarily like it's hip or cool, but right. there's no real pressure societally yeah. to have to have a commitment intellectually of any sort. Right. Um, and I think we're paying the price for that. Um Because all ideas have consequences and lack thereof as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, So, yeah, that's that's a really good point. So, this, like you said, it means we don't have theologians or non-theologians. Right. It means we have sloppy thinking and less sloppy thinking or a little more organized, right? Um, So, okay, fine, cool. So, then, to get practical, does this mean
1: all pastors
0: or all church leaders need to go to seminary?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. So some of the most influential people in my life have been people who are not theologically trained in a professional setting, right? But they were people that loved Jesus dearly and walked it out in a very real and sincere way, right? And so what's called like the praxis of their theological values, right? right? The practice of the way that they lived out what they believed. It was most evident. Yeah. And so I don't, Always know the answer to this one as an affirmative yes okay. um now somebody dude, I've been in college I mean you're in higher right academic now. world since I was eighteen right yeah. I turned thirty one in a couple days here yeah. so it's a long time. if anybody's like a fan of formal education, right I'm definitely my student loans are the cheerleader <laughs> for that club uh but I think the bigger question is, what room do we leave for the spirit in our academic settings, and this is probably my biggest contention. A lot of my seminary experience has been devoid uh Of any type of genuine, fruitful, Christological interaction in a way that I feel is meaningful, Hmm. Um, you know, I had professors who were teaching Bible stuff who uh, would laugh at the idea of a physical resurrection and call people who believed in that like stupid. Hmm. There and so uh, things were, you know, things can be kind of confusing in in that system. I I think there's a uh, there's a saying right that like bad ideas only exist in academia because that's the only place they can continue to exist, right? And I think there's some truth in that in the <laughs> theological world especially. Uh, but I would say as a general statement, yeah. yes, it is good okay. to formally educate right. your, your, particularly your pastors, men and women, because women can be pastors too, don't at me, uh, in some type of theological setting. I think that's a good thing.
0: Okay. Um, what's There's a verse in Timothy that escapes me right now where it says that every... Um, every every Christian every worker should show himself
1: prepared. Yeah, do your best to present yourself as an approved workman. Yeah, yeah exactly. In like Timothy three sixteen or something like um,
0: that. And so, what I've always understood that verse to indicate oh, no. is, no, Second Timothy three sixteen is about is that, the word. Yeah, the, the word is inspired. It's fruitful for yeah, correction. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, but but it is in Timothy. Um, and
1: so Second Timothy two fifteen. Sorry. Okay.
0: Yeah, Second <laughs> Timothy two fifteen. Yeah. I understand this verse to be an imperative for Christian leaders who are taking responsibility for the word, right? The preaching and teaching of the word as ambassadors to have some sort of ownership and responsibility for that. And so the question we're asking is, does that mean necessarily a formal institution or not? And I think that might be case by case because, I mean, think of like, developing countries or think of church plants that don't have mm-hmm. resources mm-hmm. or think of I mean, I mean the the amount of literature that is sim- in the english language is incredible that's not the case for other languages Correct. even in spanish right right. Uh, there's not that much like it's really hard to get calvin or luther or some of the other protestant thinkers uh, or j.i packer some of the it's really hard to get that literature in spanish mm-hmm. Um, And so to ask some of our Spanish, just as an example, Spanish-speaking pastors, like, well, okay, what are you doing? Like, are you familiar with with your tradition? That's actually a logistical hurdle. Right, right. They can't just get on Google or a library or Ebsco and start reading some of these. Deep cut. You you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. um, And so my contention is that I'm 100% convinced that Christians need to take more ownership of Christian education as it pertains to the heritage of their faith. I'm not convinced that that's going to happen in the future through seminaries.
1: Yeah. For go ahead. And- oh no, I just I think that's a spectacular point. I I would agree with you and push the onus for that to be on churches. Mm-hmm. More churches should do a better job of holding whatever, right? Like Right. Blank Blank Community Church Christian College, right or whatever. Some small it, like okay. where you train your That's people yeah. right through that as well because yes. it's the logistical hurdle that we're seeing even in the English speaking world now is just purely finances. Right, right. Like, seminary is really expensive and they're insanely not helpful in terms they're, of providing <laughs> scholarships for people. Right, that, right, unless you get a fully funded PhD program. Right, you're which, which
0: is like point zero one percent of the Christian population. Yeah, um, maybe like, maybe lower. Look, so like Duke
1: takes eight one. people yep.
0: a year. Wheaton takes like three. Yep. My you brother's
1: I mean? school took three. Okay. His year that he went. So
0: all right. So that's nuts. It's probably less than point oh one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So that's out of the picture. So you're not going to get fully funded. Um you and I both know about student loans. And yep. so like at what point is the ethics of this going to come into play? Like yeah. is it ethical to have institutions that put people in financial hardships? Um for the end goal being of like, no, but this is this is Christian education. So it's well, okay so if that you're going to go gonna be a in pastor financial.
1: in Southern California and be lucky to make 50000 a year right. there because 90% of the churches in America are less than 100 people mm-hmm. or 100 people or less, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, so 50 grand out of that 100-person church, that's a lot of money. That's a Especially lot of money. Especially if you're 50 grand in the hole yes, coming dude, out of coming seminary. Out there. And so you're just barely breaking even. Correct.
0: So that on top of, uh, I think the the tide of yes. the social and cultural pressures and accreditation and financing and uh, more traditional Christian stances are becoming more hostile yeah. or perceived as hostile. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So all this means to me is that if there's going to come a day when the government's just going to say, we're not funding Christian schools anymore. Right. It's just not in our benefit. Okay, so now what are you going to do if you can't get student loans, if you can't get financial aid? Um I'm just saying I'm not optimistic nope. that seminaries are the way, the only way for Christians to preserve their heritage. Or even the best.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, I, I fully agree with you. So that
0: being said, and I don't want to get too derailed here. Um we should burn the seminaries down.
1: No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> how? How do we get small local churches access to... These kinds of educators.
1: Yeah, I think one of the best things is is reaffirming traditions there and being better about circling up, right. So the one of the problems that we have in the West, particularly like I mean like the West, like California, right, like Like living on the West Coast, Coast, is the idea is like everything is so individually driven out here, and more of our dominant traditions like tend to be Stone Campbell stuff, which is kind of just. Died and, and evolved into evangelicalism, and so it's like the independent church that we are is not necessarily connected, connected with what that church is doing doing anything, right? Yeah. So like where I'm at, there's over 55 churches in my city alone, and I know a handful of them wow. well, and we are all tangentially connected through this, you know, other uh, nonprofit, you know, the, kind of this parachurch organization that yeah. helps connect us all together and do yeah. stuff. Uh, and 30, we have 38 um, uh, schools and 34 three of the hour 38 have church partners that are responsible for that school, right? That type of thing would never happen from senior pastor to senior pastor, right? Mm-hmm. Like one, it's a logistical nightmare, but two, we're so focused on what we're doing in our right. own thing. It's and then, as if you're competitors. A little bit, a little bit, even if it's not on purpose, right? Yeah. But you compare that over and against like the UMC or the Methodist church or, you know, Anglican traditions where right. there's a lot of money, there's a lot of connections, there's a lot of uh, kind of top-down organizational yeah. leadership but they're dying, right? And the average age of like your Presbyterian person is like over 59 now, right? And so it's like these mainline denominations that have better structure Hmm. are starting to go by the wayside. And so I think the evangelical church could do a good number to learn about, you know, some kind of movement or connection or figure out how to partner together and be more intentional to be able to preserve the tradition and move it on together. I think that's one of the biggest ways, and I'm afraid that's not gonna happen Hmm. And I'm afraid we're not going to do well (laughs) in in that arena. I
0: hadn't thought about that. My thoughts go to, uh, you think about, I don't know, the top 50, top 100 Christian divinity schools or seminaries. Sure. Those professors, elders, chairs, hopefully are members of churches somewhere. Mm -hmm. That influence should not die with them. It would hopefully get passed down. It would hopefully turn into resources that maybe don't cost money it would hopefully turn into partnerships and networking that allows maybe youth to be excited about and intellectually stimulated by the faith, which is a different topic, right? Of like just youth curriculum and how it shouldn't just be about pizza and kind of games and whatever. Um, But taking some of those things seriously in partnership with, hey, what if we got a little more organized and it wasn't everybody fending for themselves like a zero-sum game? I think it would help to disseminate some of these resources yeah, absolutely better. absolutely it would. Um, so, yeah, I mean, some interesting thoughts here.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, either way, like, we're either going to do this or we're going to die, right? Like, there's not going to be a lot of room <laughs> for in-between with this because when you consider the notion of tuition costs continuing to skyrocket, right? Yeah. Traditional Christian beliefs being understood as more hostile, right, yeah. in, in those kinds of settings, those two things do not mix well. Not well. There, and Americans are giving... Less and less, right? The average is like $44 a year for per giving person or something like that, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a very small, and it's not just because people are lazy or stingy with their money or they're bad Christians. It's like people are just trying to pay bills. Yeah. Right? And, and so it's like as that kind of wealth gap continues to move and, and there's a higher disparity between lower socioeconomic classes and upper middle and, and higher you know, upper class, it's like if we don't pull something together here, mm-hmm. extinction is just the inevitable Route, in terms of a formal education Correct. perspective, Correct. not the extinction of Christians. In terms of an establishment but, yeah.
0: that uh, preserves yeah. the Christians. I mean, yeah, we'll see what happens. So what do you guys think? What are some of the local seminaries or Christian colleges around you? Do your pastors or church leaders have a seminary education? What do they think? Leave us a comment. We'd love to interact with you guys and see what we might have missed. Yep. We'll catch you guys next time on Kingdom Thinking. Thanks for tuning in.